Alright, so we're in Psalms 106. I want you to notice what it says in verse 10. It says, And He saved them from the hand of Him that hated them and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. And the waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. They Then believed they His words. They sang His praise. They soon forgot His works. They waited not for His counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. And He gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. And in that passage right there, it just shows how uh, one thing we can learn from it is how sometimes God will let us have things that we want, but they will not satisfy us like we think they will. Okay? And how many parents in here will admit, you know, you, you're with your children, there's been many times in life they're like, Mom, Dad, if I could just have this one item, I would be a happy child. And, you know, and you get at that, but it keeps them happy for like a day or two, right? And it's like they're, and then they always need the next thing. And we're like that even as adults sometimes. We have this attitude, if I could just have this one thing, I would finally find satisfaction, I would finally find completion. And you know what? You still don't get it. You can go and people, they'll do these impulsive buys sometimes just to like help themselves out emotionally. All right, are there, we have any people in this church that it does, it just makes you feel good to sometimes go buy something for yourself. You know, I mean, it, it feels good, right? There's a little high that you get from it. But at the same time, a lot of times we do that hoping to fill a void. And does it fill a void? I mean, it feels good while you're buying the item. It feels good while you're unboxing it and you're using it for the first time. But then guess what? A week later, you're gonna, it's not gonna be new anymore. And you're gonna need another dose of that high. And then you're gonna have to go spend more money. And we, you know, folks, we can't be satisfied with those things. And it was the same thing when, it, when the children of Israel were in the wilderness, God was giving them what they needed for survival, but they wanted more. Their soul, it wanted meat. We talked about that before. And so God did, God finally said, you know what, fine, I'm gonna give you what you want. But then notice it was God that sent leanness to their souls. God gave their flesh what they wanted, but their souls got leanness. And I'm telling you, right now in America, there is a famine on the souls of men. And I'm talking the American culture as a whole. And Christians, sadly, many times are not an exception to this. Because let's face it, we're way too much like our American culture. We are very influenced like our American culture. And there are, there are things about our American culture that aren't even sinful, but at the same time, the fact that we are just as caught up in those things, it tells me that, you know what, if we're caught up in all these other little things that aren't sinful, we've probably got a lot of the sinful stuff going too. And we're just not very separated as Christians anymore. And uh, we're going to be talking about separation tonight. I'm planning on in the evening services. I want to do just kind of some refresher uh, sermons on really just the basics that I think are important. Uh, we don't want to forget about, but I don't, I don't want to get into that. But we're ha- there's definitely a famine on the souls of men. The souls of our country are very lean. They are starving, which is why people are so obsessed with such carnal vanity i mean just that is out there and we'll talk about some of that but i can't think of a generation with the exception of probably sodom and gomorrah we know sodom and gomorrah was a very fruitful place it was well watered they had a lot of things going for them physically but they they were think about sodom was very blessed physically but yet they were impoverished in their souls they were as wicked as you can get the bible says they were exceeding wicked. And it is, it, it, I think America, we're like that too. We are very blessed physically in this country, yet we're becoming more and more wicked. And it's because it's not helping the souls of men. And it is, it's a great day for a person when they get a hold of the fact that the things of the flesh will never satisfy the soul. No matter how good those impulse buys feel when you do them, they will never satisfy your soul. That it, it just it just isn't going to happen, and so I have no desire whatsoever to be mean in any way in this message. But people need to hear the truth about this. And if you're no different than the rest of our culture, you need to understand, you know, that's a problem. And if you are no different than the culture, you're going to have all the same problems that the rest of the culture has. And our culture is in bad shape. And Christians, we we can't keep being exactly like 
Americans and expecting a different outcome just because we're saved. I mean, hey, you're going to go to heaven, but life on earth is going to be the same as it is for everyone else if you're a Christian. In fact, it might even be a little worse because not only will you have just the, you know, the government after you, but you'll have God coming after you too. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian. You can go and you can go rob somebody's house and then tell the police, hey, I'm saved. It's under the blood. And they're not going to care. They're going to throw you in jail. So it just, it, it doesn't matter. And I'm, I'm so sick of Christians just being wicked and like, well, I'm saved. So what? You're still not supposed to be wicked. Great. Now you've got me mad at you. You've got your neighbor mad at you. And you've got God mad at you too. Because, you know, he doesn't expect his children to act that way. But let me just read uh, some statistics too about even just mental health. And I think a lot of the mental health problems that we have in our country, it, it is, it's, it's a soul condition. Okay, it's because people's souls are, are empty. But the one thing I was reading said 21% of U.S. adults experienced mental, a mental health condition in 2020. Now, I don't know what's considered a mental health condition. You know, these days I got stressed out. I don't know, is that a mental health condition? I mean, like everything counts as a mental health problem. So I thought that's just called being a parent. You know, I thought that was just called working a job. I'm tired of talking to grown men who act like they need disability because they get anxiety on the job. You know, a lot of people get anxiety on the job. You know what you do? You get over it. That's what you do. I I, I don't get it. But anyway, 5.6% of of U.S. adults experienced serious mental health condition in 2020, which is often defined as a psychotic disorder, bipolar disorder, or severe anxiety or eating disorder that significantly impairs functioning. And a lot of this is 2020, which we can kind of understand why mental health went really crazy in 2020. I think I might have had a few of these episodes, I don't know. 32.1% of U.S. adults experienced both a mental health condition and substance abuse. In 2019, 15.3% of U.S. veterans experienced a mental health condition such as post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, or substance abuse. As of 2020, suicide is the second leading cause of death for U.S. children ages 10 to 14, preceded only by unintentional Injury. That is, that is horrifying to think of 10 to 14 year olds committing suicide. And we were talking about this yesterday. You really got to watch people these days. I don't know if you've seen the videos before of people, they, of videos they posted about themselves hours before committing suicide. And when you watch these videos, they're acting like they're on top of the world. And then literally hours later, they're killing themselves. And and part of that, too, it's because, don't want to get ahead of myself, social media is fake. Social media is so fake. Don't fall for it. And let me tell you, half your mental disorders, okay, are because you are ungrateful and uncontent because you are looking at someone else's fake life on social media. And you think something is wrong with your life because you're looking at somebody's fake life who very well could be contemplating killing themselves later that day. They're trying to just portray this life that other people who look happy are having. And to think that people out there try, try to be like these people, copy these people, these Instagram influencers that are out there, when you find out the wreck that their lives are many times, the depression that they go through, I've read so many stories about that, but you look at these people and they're out there influencing everybody. Be just like me. Be just like me. Wear the clothes I wear. Look how happy I am. Look how satisfied I am because I'm wearing the latest styles. I'm doing all the latest trends. I'm acting just like every, literally every other person on social media right now. And then, guess what all happens to all their followers too? They're all full of the same depression and stuff too. Even though that's not what their idol portrays on social media. It's all fake. I'm ranting with all this stuff, but... Um, I need to keep reading these statistics, but the impact depression and anxiety has on a global economy can be measured by one trillion in lost productivity each year. And in 2020, 51.2% of U.S. females received mental health services, while only 37.4% of males received mental health services. Young adults ages 18 to 25 in the U.S. have the highest rate of experiencing any mental health concerns compared to adults ages 26 to 49 years and the highest rate of serious mental illness. Females are diagno- diagnosed with serious mental health conditions at a higher rate than males. I didn't say it, but anyway. The, per- 
The percentage of U.S. adults receiving mental health treatment rose from 19.2% in 2019 to 21.6% in 2021. And, and typically, what everyone wants to do, they all want to blame poverty on everyone's problems. And the solution is always more government and all welfare, and more welfare. That's always the solution every time. And while there are many people out there who have mental health issues for totally legitimate and understandable reasons, you know, because think about it. There's people out there that have been sexually abused. There's people out there that have grown up in horrible homes and around drugs and, you know, around crime, and they've seen horrible things, okay? I have a hard time being upset with those people when they struggle with some things, okay? Here's my concern. This is, this is my, this is my concern is for people who are losing it mentally, who have things like, how about good health? Do you realize how much of a blessing it is to have good health, to be healthy? A lot of people's mental problems are due to bad health. When you're in pain, when you're sick, it affects a lot of things, but yet you have able-bodied, Physically healthy people sometimes completely losing it mentally. You know why? Because they're weak in their mind. They're weak in their soul many times. And they have no reason to be. You have people who have families, who have spouses. You know how many young ladies are having mental health issues because they're lonely and they have nothing going on in their life? While, and, you know, and they would give anything to have a husband and children. While at the same time, too, you have women who have husbands and children who need mental health because they have husbands and children. <laughs> And we understand the problems that come with that too and the challenges. But the thing is, while one person, their life and their soul is empty and lean because they're not, they don't have anything to live for except for their, their followers on social media. You've got all these women out there who act like they're brave and they're bold and they're wonderful because instead of getting married and having children, they're thinking of themselves and they're doing everything that you're supposed to do. You know, if you're a young, in your 20s, eating at nice restaurants, you know, buying expensive coffee, taking trips to Italy. Italy's like the new thing. It's like, it's like the hipster thing. Everybody's supposed to travel to Italy, you know, and they're, they're just doing all these things. But you know what? Those people are all miserable too. And, and, and I'm telling you, the world has no idea what is going to make them happy. They have no idea. It's God that sends that fatness to the soul that we need. But you have, you know, people too struggling who have brothers, sisters, parents, grandparents. They have functional families and yet they're completely losing it mentally. Their needs are being taken care of. They have plenty to eat. And, and think how many people are having mental, mental health issues today who have plenty of food. They have houses. They have cell phones. They have air conditioning. In the summertime, they have heat in the winter, they have cars, they have entertainment, they've got all these things surrounding them, they're even saved, and yet they're having breakdowns all the time. Think about that. Why do we have a culture that is so full physically, yet in their souls, they are completely wasting away? Why is that? And I want to preach a message today to help you on how to fatten up your soul for the winter. How to fatten up your soul for the winter. In, in American culture, it seems weird to talk about fattening your, anything up because we're all about losing fat, you know, whatever. But no, we, some people, they need to fatten up their souls. They are, they're, 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 without a doubt, we need that. And it says in Proverbs 6, 6, it says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou rise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands of sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth in thy want as an armed man. An ant. An ant. It knows if I want to eat in the winter, I have to prepare in the summer. You know why? Because an ant understands that they are not a victim of climate change, that there's just something called four seasons. Ants understand that. Ants understand a time is going to come when it's going to get cold and I will not be able to do the same things that I can do in the summertime when it's nice out. And, and I think this is important that we preach this because something that is not unique to our church. I've talked with other pastors about this. 
they deal with the same thing. And that is people start losing their minds in the wintertime. That's when people start to have their mental health issues and all that. And it's different. It's, it's, it's different in different churches. If you talk to pastors who have Christian schools, okay, people in their churches lose their minds in the summertime. But people who pastor churches that don't have Christian schools, typically they start in like the early spring. Everyone starts losing their mind and being weird. And, and I know because when I was at our old church, we had a Christian school there. And that's when everybody would lose their mind and get stupid. That's when if anybody was going to leave the church, it was always during the summertime. Because the Christian school is like what kept them stable in their home. It had like the, it gave them a schedule. It gave them something to do. But then as soon as summer would come and they were kind of on their own to live life according to their own schedule, they didn't know how to do it. And their life would just fall apart. And it was, it was pretty frustrating watching that. And a lot of pastors hate summer. They hate summer because they don't have the Christian school to kind of help keep the people in church like they're supposed to, because so they, they can enforce a lot of things on them during the school year. We don't have any of that. We don't have any enforcement mechanisms in this church. So typically, it's like after the end of winter, and, and the reality is, it's just kind of frustrating as a pastor, because it's like, hey, you know, winter comes every year. It really does. But yet, people act like, I've never experienced anything like this before. You know, And we've had people that have come to this church over the years that every year around March or April, they start losing their mind and, and leave the church. Every year around that time, we're like, oh, I'm probably going to be leaving the church again because it's, it's that time of year. And sure enough, you know, that's exactly what they would do. And it would just get really frustrating. And so did they do that every year? Well, no, there was one year that they came back because they had left the other church they're at around that same time of year. It was just some people just, they can't handle the different seasons of life. It's, it's really... It's really weird. It's really frustrating. And a lot of times, because it gets that way, it puts a lot of pressure on the pastor who feels like he always has to have something going on to keep the goats entertained, to keep everyone's flesh satisfied. But the problem with turning pastors into entertainers, you don't want to turn me into an entertainer, is one, it's just not their calling. But two, if they succeed in becoming an entertainer who's so focused on keeping the goats entertained, eventually he's going to compromise. That's what's going to happen. Eventually, he's going to compromise on truth. And so the reality is, there's four seasons in the year. There's times of sunshine. There's times of rain. There's times of heat. There's times of cold. As Christians, we are told and we are supposed to be faithful through all of it. And we need to learn how to prepare for difficult seasons. We have some hard winters out here. Have you ever heard the term hard winter? Okay, did you know you can read about hard winters in books from the 1800s? You know why? Because hard winters aren't a result of climate change. Okay, that's not what it is. It's called seasons. <laughs> that's just it's the way it is. Okay? And so what are some things that you can do to prepare? It's like, okay, if a difficult season is coming, shouldn't we prepare? But you've got a lot of people, they, it's like they always want to be in summer vacation mode. They want to live life in summer vacation mode. Hey, it's great to have a time of year where you can relax a little bit, where things are easier like summer, but that's not life year round. We have, we have harder seasons. We need harder seasons. Think about cultures that are in these tropical climates. It's nice all the time. They're typically very wicked cultures that are not strong. The stronger cultures historically have been ones that have the hard winters and have difficulties. You know why? Because it keeps the, the low life, the vagabond types away. You want to know why we don't have as many homeless people around here as they do in California? Because they'll die out here. And so, so the, thing, the good thing about places with harsh climates, only the strong can survive. You know, they're, they're going to be here. The weak are all going to migrate to these other places where it's, where it's going to get worse. So there, there's, some, there's some perks to having some killer weather. And, uh, and so we don't, we don't need to necessarily run from this type of thing. But what are some things you can do to fatten up your souls for the winter? We do need to prepare for it. Because, again, I hate winter. I, I don't like it. I don't like, I don't like those seasons. But at the same time, too, having lived in Illinois my entire life, I, I know how to handle it. You know, I've, I've kind of prepared. I, I, I know how to adapt. I kind of know what I need to do. And the problem is, 
you know, we don't really have a culture anymore where we've got families that have just kind of all been in one place for generations. We move around a lot more in our culture. We're, we are very mobile anymore. And because of that, a lot of times people never really learn to adapt to a situation because they've never been in one situation for any long period of time. And so they're just always kind of chasing, they're always, you know, they're, they're kind of like the Mormons chasing the promised land, you know, across America, uh, you know, back in Joseph Smith's day. Just always looking for that promised land. And I'm here today to tell you that promised land isn't until the millennium. Until then, there's going to be difficulties, there's going to be battles, and we've just got to prepare for them. And if you've been around somewhere for a long time, you'll know when they're coming. So, Proverbs 11. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 11. This is an important passage right here that I believe will help us when it comes to fattening up our souls for the winter. You don't want to be an empty soul. People who go into uh, you know, mental turmoils and all that, it, it's, it's a soul thing that we all deal with. Everybody has it. It's not a flesh thing. It's a soul thing that we have going on. And I, I think we've, talk, we've been talking enough about the soul and the spirit and body and all these things. You, you should understand a lot of this. I'm not going to repeat it. But in Proverbs 11.24 it says, There is that scattereth, and yet increaseth. And there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. You all understand that there? It's like, he's explaining something that doesn't make sense. You've got those who scatter, and yet they continue to increase. You have those who are withholding. You have those who are hoarding everything, and yet they tend to poverty. So, you know, that doesn't seem to make sense, yet that's how it is. He goes on to say, the liberal soul. Okay, what does that mean to be liberal? Okay, in the Bible, it's, it's in, always used in reference to giving. Okay, a penny pincher, you know, a Scrooge, that's like the opposite of a liberal. You know, that miser, that hoarder. The liberal is somebody who gives, and they, they do it freely. They don't keep a lot of track of things. They're just very giving. And it says, the liberal soul shall be made fat. And he that watereth shall be watered also himself. He that withholdeth corn, the people shall curse him. But the blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. He that diligently seeketh good procureth favor. But he that seeketh mischief, it shall come unto him. He that trusteth in his riches shall fall, but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. He that troubleth his own house shall inherit the wind, and the fool shall be servant to the wise of heart. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Behold, the righteous shall be recompensed in the earth. Much more the wicked and the sinner. And notice that last verse. Behold, the righteous shall be recompensed in the earth. At the end of the day, what it's showing is, hey, why is it that there's some that are scattering, yet they're still increasing, while those who are withholding and saving, they should be the one increasing, right? But yet they're not. They're the ones that are going into poverty. What's going on? You know why? Because righteousness is more important. At the end of the day, God is going to take care of the righteous. The, what's going to determine somebody's success is not, ne- it's not necessarily about the math. It's not necessarily about the strategic method and all those things according to man's wisdom, but it's about those who are doing the will of God. God tends to take care of those people. They are the ones who tend to be blessed. And that's what Solomon is showing here in Proverbs. We'll say more about that in a little bit. But here's the first thing you need to do. If you want to fatten up your soul to prepare yourself so your soul is ready. Because just like animals, you know, they'll, they'll store up fat for the winter. You know, you hear them fattening up for the winter or whatever. They do that because in the winter, they're not able to eat as much. You know, in, in, in the winter, they're, you know, they understand they're not going to be able to have as much access to that. So they prepare for it. I do, you know, the winter does, again, there's not a whole lot that my soul enjoys during the winter time. There's a few things. Some people, some people love winter. You know, there's people that are like them. And I'm, I'm not one. I like summer. I like heat. You know, I like being out in the water, not on the ice. Some people like the ice. Some people like the snow. But, you know, that, that's not me. And so if I know difficult times are coming, I got to prepare. I need to fatten up my soul. And so what you have to do, first thing, is you need to get more focused on others and how you can give to others instead of focusing on yourself. Do you know that's how you fatten up your soul? It's not by, hey, what all can I do for me? How can I please me? 
You trying to please you, that's you trying to satisfy your soul. That's you trying to satisfy your flesh. That's you trying to make yourself feel good. But the truth is, remember what we saw in Psalms? God gave them their desire, but he sent leanness to their soul. You know where you need to get help for your soul? You need it from God. And God is going... God. You ever hear that? God helps those who help themselves. Uh, no, God helps those who help others. And, and those who are thinking about other people, God's going to take care of you. God's going to give you more. He sees you giving. He sees you being a blessing. God's going to continue giving you more. If you're just hoarding everything for yourself, God doesn't need to give you anything. You're already thinking of yourself. Philippians 2, 4 says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. The things that fatten up the soul are opposite of the things that fatten up our bodies. Duke says, There's he that spreadeth, yet increaseth. There's he that withholdeth, yet he goes to poverty. It's like opposite of what, what we're seeing. And there are, there are the things that satisfy the body. And people do. They think money, possessions, you know, clothing, whatever. They think all these things of the flesh are what's going to please them. But yet these things only bring emptiness. Look at all the people who have it all. Look at many of your millionaires. Look at your famous people and, and how empty many of their souls are. They're always talking about their depression, their mental health problems. And, I, and I've heard that too. I've, I've, listened, I've listened to many of these stories of these influencers. I watched one one time and it made me so stinking mad. It was of some Instagram influencer and they were talking about their mental health problems and their depression that they went through. And, and during the whole thing while they're telling their story, they were showing all these pictures and videos and things that they were posting where they appeared to have the perfect life. You know, they're literally an influencer. They're out there influencing people to be like them while in the meantime, when a camera wasn't on her, She's just dealing with all this horrible emotional stuff. And I'm thinking, how wicked are you to try to influence people to be like you when you are a wreck and miserable? And, that, and so the, the thing is, too, is, you know, now we're supposed to believe her that she's helping everybody have a fulfilling life and not care about all these things. It's like, no, you know, you already tried being an influencer one time or lying to us. How do we know you even have victory now? You know, but the truth is, all that stuff is so fake and it's just, it's promoting carnality. And Acts 20 verse 35, it says, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessing. There's a greater blessing. It's more fulfilling when you give rather than receiving. John 13, 15 says, this is after Jesus washes his disciples' feet. He said, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. If ye do them. If you're thinking about others. Folks, why do we typically get depressed? Because my life's not going great. Because I don't have this. Because I'm, I'm missing out on this opportunity. I didn't, it's because we're thinking about ourselves. We don't typically get depressed because of other people's problems. That is not why people go into depression. It's because of their own problems they go into depression. Where the reality is, if we were thinking about others, if we were being, a, and not just getting in other people's business. No, I'm talking about being a blessing to others. If we are helping other people, the truth is, you're not going to be focused on all your problems because somebody's out there, somebody needs your help. Somebody's worse off than you are. But then two, God's going to see that and God's going to bless you. God's going to give you that fulfillment. God's going to give you that peace that you need. And so at some point, we just have to learn to trust God and determine to not let the things of the flesh, things like money, deceive us. God is the source of true happiness. We have to go to Him for happiness. You know what God wants you to do? God wants you to help other people. In 1 Timothy 6, 6, it said, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out, and having food and raiment, let us be there with content. How many Americans do you think that are struggling with mental health issues and depression have food and raiment? Yet, they're a wreck. Why? Because we don't have godliness with contentment. 
And, and contentment is a choice, ladies and gentlemen. Now I preach about that. It is a choice. But look at this. But they that will be rich. Okay? Now who will admit? Yeah, I, I understand riches isn't money isn't everything. I understand money can't buy happiness. But sometimes I think it would I would enjoy it a little bit. Okay? You know. I mean, you know, we, we all think that. Okay? We all, we've all imagined what it would be like to win a million dollars or something like that. We think it would change our life. We're, we're convinced of that. But the Bible says, they that will be rich fall into temptation. We might be tempted to break the rules, to get ahead financially. God's not going to be pleased with that. They fall into temptation and a snare. That's a trap. And into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition for the love of money is the root of all evil which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows and isn't that what we're seeing with the influencers influencers are typically people who look like they have everything your flesh desires isn't that how it typically is and you know what we keep finding out about them they're all a wreck they're all a mess you know why? Because they fall into temptation and many foolish and hurtful lusts and they are drowned in destruction and perdition. Just like the Bible says. It's amazing all the things the Bible just flat out tells us and we just refuse to believe it no matter how much evidence we see that proves it all the time. So, get more focused on others and how you can give rather than focusing on yourself. But then two, this is, and I briefly touching this, if you... I'm not, I'm not telling everyone they have to do this. I'm saying if you struggle mentally, if other people's blessings causes you heartache or whatever, you might just need to get off of social media. Okay? Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 2 says, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What profit hath the man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. The sun also ariseth, and the sun goeth down, and hasteth to the place where he rose. The wind goeth toward the south, and turneth about unto the north. It whirleth about continually. The wind returneth again to his circuits. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. Unto the place from whence the rivers come, they return thither again. All things are full of labor. Men cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing nor the ear filled with hearing. The thing that hath been, it is what shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. So notice what he's, all these things he's talking about. It's like, it's all vanity. There's just, there is a pattern to life. There is a way things are. There is no new thing. But yet people get all caught up in this labor, this vanity, these things that are empty. And vanity is basically just, it's emptiness. It's, there's an emptiness that comes with it. And this, I believe, is, is a great reflection of the selfie generation that is so obsessed with themselves. Because, again, think about it too. You know, when you post on Facebook, there's always, you know, or whenever you're just going on Facebook, okay, when, when you get depressed. I remember one time I was talking to a family member who lived in Texas, and it was in, it was in January, and we were freezing and they, were, they said, that, yeah, we're at the neighbor's having a cookout. It made me mad. I was like, what? How are you outside having a cookout? It is freezing up. They were in Texas. And you know what? A party was like, man, I kind of like to live in Texas. I remember going to Arizona one time in January. And it was 70. And I was like, man, it'd be nice to live in Arizona. But then I went to Arizona one time in July uh, uh, this is stupid. <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be here. But you know, the the truth is, you know, what, if you get depressed because you're not on vacation all the time, just remember on Facebook, you know, your friends are like a million people. Half of them you don't even know. Maybe you do, or you know them through Facebook. Somebody this winter, when you go on Facebook, you are going to see someone in vacation on vacation somewhere where it's warm. And you're going to be like, man, I'd like to be there. You know, th- th- that's not going to help you out. But just remember, too, you know, while you're getting depressed and envious about, you know, one of your Florida friends posting about their cookout that they're having in December, you know, 
one of your Florida friends is going to get depressed when they're seeing you as a lady, you know, dressed up like the Hallmark woman with the hat and the scarf standing in the snow holding her hot cup of coffee, looking like it's a Hallmark Christmas movie or something. Oh, she looks just like how it is on all those Christmas movies in Hallmark where it's always snowing. You know, and it's like, I, I would love to experience that kind of Christmas. You know, and they do. And, and then they get depressed. Who's just hot here all the time? You know, the reality is, we're just unsatisfied with everything. And there's always something, there's always going to be somebody doing some, having something going on that's better. You know, that uh, we could, you know, somebody, you, there's always somebody you're going to envy their life and somebody else is going to envy your life. The reality is, sometimes people just need to disconnect from all that. There's some people that just can't handle it. Some people cannot handle it. And let me, and if you're somebody who struggles with ungratefulness, envy, or whatever, you probably just shouldn't be on social media. And I know we feel like today, if you're not on social media, you don't exist. But the reality is, you do exist. We've had entire civilizations before social media. And, you know, it's, you, you don't have to have these things. And so, just, um, you know, understand if your happiness is affected by someone else, that you have a problem. If somebody else's, or if somebody else's happiness is causing you depression, you have a problem. And you need to ask God to help you with that. And so, another thing too, just, this is an important thing I think people need to understand. But you need to allow yourself to slow down at certain times. That's part of living in a world with four seasons. Allow yourself. It's okay to do that. And again, back in Proverbs 13, or it talked about the ant. Okay? He prepares in the summer. Why? Because you can't in the winter. There's some things that you just can't do in the wintertime. You can't plow a field in the wintertime. You can't grow corn in the wintertime. And so there, there are seasons. Everybody agrees farmers are hard workers, but farmers have seasons where they don't do a whole lot of work. That's just, that's just how it is. While they have other parts of the season where they work like maniacs, practically sun up till sundown, around the clock sometimes. And, but Proverbs 13 verse 4 says, "The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat." And diligent, the definition of that is steady in application to business, constant in effort or exertion to accomplish what is undertaken. So the thing is, it's not about just maintaining a same pace, you know, 24-7, seven days a week, 365 days a year. It's about steadiness throughout the year, throughout the seasons. And so the thing is, you might be somebody that's in a bit. I've known some people, too, who are very successful in business, who had like snow plowing businesses, and they would make a ton of money in the winter during the snow. Plow- I mean, they, these people loved winter. That was when they worked the hardest. And then the one guy that I knew that did it, you know what he did most of the time the rest of the year? Hunted all over in different parts of the world. And, but he worked like a maniac in the wintertime and was able to do that. But, you know, he had a steady, consistent pattern that he did that was not from week to week. No, it was from year to year. And it is, it is normal. It is nature for us to have seasons where we work a lot harder and have seasons where we slow down a little bit. It's okay to do that. Many people, they think the key to success is always being busy, but the reality is we need to be constant. That's what it is. And like, like that ant, we work harder in the summer because we know winter is coming where we're not going to be able to do certain things. And so uh, Proverbs 20 verse 4 says, The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore, shall he beg in the harvest and have nothing. So again, sometimes that sluggard you know, when you have to, the plowing season starts sometime early in the spring. Ah, oh, it's cold out. I feel like doing it now. But hey, this is this is working season. This is working time, and you need to recognize that because harvest when harvest season comes, you're not going to have anything if you don't do the plowing. There's different seasons for all these things, and it is. It's, it's frustrating to me, and it's an, it's annoying to me. And I've seen this as a pastor my whole life, even in this church. Been here 12 years now. Is it 12? 13? Yeah, we celebrated 12 years. So, yeah, in 12 years. And you know what? I am not intimidated by the punks that want to come in who are sprinting in a 5K. Have you ever ran a 5K before or a half marathon? And there is. You, there's always the young punks sprinting that first mile. And you know what? I'm not intimidated by those guys. I know I'm going to pass them up. And you can tell. 
if, if you're an experienced runner, you can tell the difference between the inexperienced runners and the experienced runners. If it's the young track and field guys, they can sprint the whole 5K or whatever. But when I'm, when I'm, if I'm racing young people that aren't experienced in running, I let them get ahead of me and I just stay behind them enough to just kind of keep some pressure on a little bit, knowing they are going to die out. They will not be able to maintain this pace. And it's because of lack of experience. They overexert themselves. They actually are younger than me. They're lighter than me. They should be able to run farther and faster, but they don't know how to pace themselves. And a lot of times, some of the best runners in these long races, there's going to be a half marathon just out here in a a few weeks that I'm probably going to run in. You come out there, you want to know who some of the best runners are going to be. It's either going to be like young high school kids that are in track and field, and they're, and they're, they're, they're training all the time for it. Or it's like 50-year-old dudes. It really is. You know why? Because they're experienced. They know how to pace themselves. And you will. You'll see the young kids that go taking off like a rocket in the beginning. They're going to die out. They always do. And they come into churches. They're just ready to go soul winning seven days a week. They're just ready to do everything. And they're all better than all the rest of you Christians that are just kind of pacing yourselves. But you know what? They flop out. They never last. And people, we've had the people, they've been critical of the soul winning in our church, thinking we don't do enough, yet, where are they? You know what happened? They collapsed. They collapsed. You know why? Because they, had a, you know, they didn't have a real pace. They didn't know how to consistently live life. They didn't know how to be constant. They didn't know how to have diligence. Diligence is not you running like a maniac in the first mile in a half marathon. It's you running at a steady pace and just, you got to keep going. You just got to keep moving and you can't stop. And so, uh, something that you've got, you know, you've got to learn is that, hey, in these, in this season of life, we do, we've got these difficult parts coming in, in certain races too. If you know the course, it helps if you, if you, you prepare yourself for the hills. Okay. The half marathon that they do out here, I know the course now. I've ran, I've ran it multiple times before and I know. When I'm running, I got to prepare myself when we get over to the Mississippi Park area because there's some brutal hills that you have to do in there that stink, and they can they can really zap you. And so you might think you're, you're you know you've got to, you've got to keep all these things in mind that are coming up. And a lot of people they don't do these things. And we understand. Hey, I'm feeling pretty good right now. It's fall right now. You know I'm on fire. I'm run. I'm, you know I'm ready to run a little bit hard. But it's like, well, hang on a second. Winter's coming. You need to prepare yourself for that. You need to be ready for that. You better make sure you're, you're pacing yourself in a way where you're going to be able to get through these things. And so when it comes to, you know, preparing for these things too, you know, we, it, I think it's important that we find hobbies or seasonal things that you can do within reason, you know, that aren't going to break you financially and create greater problems. You know, during the, you know, during the winter months, it's, again, it's okay to, to slow down. One of the things I don't like about winter too I, I don't get to do my yard work. I like doing yard work. I like cutting trees down. And the, the problem is you get home at four o'clock and it's dark. I hate that. And, and I, I miss doing the yard work. And you know, you want to know what one of the greatest things is for my soul is when spring comes and it gets start getting, getting nice out. And I go out in my garage and I get my chainsaw out and I start clearing stuff. And it's just, it feels so good. And that's me. But, you know, that's also one of the things, too, that gets me through the winter. I know spring's coming. I know the nicer weather's coming. And I'm going to get my chainsaw out again. And I'm going to go and I am going to slaughter a whole bunch of trees. And it's therapeutic for me. And I just offended all the Arbor Day celebrators and people like that. I cut down trees on Arbor Day. And I burn stuff on Earth Day. That's what I do. But anyway... But, you know, uh, many people, especially, especially Gen Zers, they just have extremely unrealistic expectations about life. They expect so much for so little. Again, you just, you have these, you know, Gen Zers, they think that their life is supposed to be like the perceived life of their influencer that they watch. It's just absolutely ridiculous. It's like, hey, you know what? Here, here's life. You're going to have to work. You're going to have to work hard. 
our economy stinks, Bidenomics are stupid, you're probably going to have to work overtime. You're probably, you might have to get an extra job. And you know what? As hard as you're working, you're not going to be able to afford to take your trips to Europe and let all, you know, that all the, you know, hipsters are doing out there and all the influencers are doing. You're not going to be able to do those things. You're going to have to work hard. You're not going to be able to, you know, be at home all the time and just, you know, and people act like they're noble. It's like they have this expectation to just be there with their children all day long. It's like, listen, men have always had to go out and work and provide and kill something while mom takes care of the castle while you're gone. I mean, listen, I, and you know, here's the thing too. I cannot imagine anything worse than being in my house all day long. I love my wife. I love my children. My wife can't imagine anything worse than me being in the house all day long. You know, that is not natural. Okay. Men are not meant to be at home three meals a day. Men are supposed to be out conquering something. And I'm telling you, you will not, you will not find a happy marriage. I, I challenge you to find a happy marriage where the husband's home all day with the wife. That is, not, that is not how it's supposed to be. But Gen Z thinks that's how it's supposed to be. They think they're a victim. If they're not you know, eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner with their wife and kids, it's like, are you kidding me? What, what culture has ever got to do that? Definitely not this culture. I didn't have any of that stuff. You've got, you know, and so the thing is too, when it comes to these hobbies and things, you know, you know, do free things. You know, you can go take your kids sledding, ice skating, something like that. You know, there, there's a lot of things like that you can do. A lot of people think, well, you know, I, I'm, seasonal things you're supposed to do, you know, go to Colorado skiing, you know, stuff. You're like, who can afford that? You know, taking the trips to the tropical climates and all that. Nobody can afford that. You have people think that's what you're supposed to do. You know, because of social media. You know, stop letting advertisers and corporations tell you what you want and what you need in your life. They don't know. You know, you are what they need. Your money is what they need. Stop falling for that stuff. Just always keep your priorities right year round and you can never blame your responsibilities and basic obligations in your life on your cause of depression. Okay? Moms, don't blame your kids for your depression and their horribleness. Because there's a lot of women out there who can't have kids who are blaming the fact that they can't have kids on their depression. No, kids, they just wear you out. I mean, kids are challenging. They're mentally exhausting. That's just how it is. But there's worse things that can happen. You could just not have them. You know, and so just, you know how many guys are out there in depression right now because they can't find a wife? And you know how many men are out there in depression because of their wife? (laughs) It's... It's a choice. You know, it's about making the best of your situation. That's why Paul said, I have learned in whatsoever state I am there with to be content. I think Paul would have been happy if he'd have been married, but he was, he was happy not being married too. And, I, and I, I'm telling you, I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my children. You know, and I, I can't imagine life without them. But, you know, I'd like to think that if I didn't have them, I wouldn't have been miserable and out there you know, killing myself or something, you know, I would be, I, I would be content. Bible says in Matthew six thirty one, take therefore no, or therefore take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knoweth that you have need of all these things. God knows what you need. God will give you what you physically need, what you, even what you mentally need, but you have to keep your priorities right. And the priorities are, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And you can't possibly be happy or content without fulfilling your responsibilities. Just understand that. Moms, dads, God will not let you be happy if you're not fulfilling your responsibilities. My kids make it very difficult for me to buy all the stuff for myself that I would like to buy for myself. My kids make it very difficult for me to do a lot of the things that I would like to do because I have them as a responsibility. Even pastoring this church makes it difficult for me to do some things that I would like to do. But I know it would not be possible for me to neglect my responsibilities and enjoy those things. I wouldn't mind going, you know, I, I, I would love to just go and take a wilderness trip for a week or something like that. And, but you know, I've got too many responsibilities, too many things going on. I can't afford it. And the reality is, 
If I'm neglecting stuff here, I wouldn't be able to enjoy it. If I'm neglecting my family, I wouldn't be able to enjoy it. Real satisfaction is going to come when we're fulfilling our responsibilities. And if I really do need a wilderness trip for a week or something like that, the Lord will provide it for me. But in the meantime, I need to take care of my responsibilities. And so one of the reasons people are struggling mentally so much anymore yeah, it's because we we have we have a we don't have a culture anymore. We really don't. As a people, as Americans, we don't have a culture. We don't know how to do life in one place where we've learned to adapt, prepare for the different seasons of life, and that's how it used to be. In a certain village, everybody kind of had similar routines and things, and everybody did what made them happy. You know, every it was they they all kind of learned how to prepare. Even in places like Alaska, where it's dark during certain parts of the year. We, you and I think that, we're like, I can't even imagine how depressing that would be. But you know, they've learned how to get through that season. They've learned how to get through the season where it's light all the time. They, they've adapted. They've figured it out. And, you know, if we just went over there for a year, we would hate it. But the people constantly switching jobs, churches, states, and even families. That's another thing, too. People, like, if I just had a different family, and they switch families, and you know what? They still have the same problems. People, you know, you know how many people I know that thought if I just had a different wife or a different husband, things would be great. And they had got a different wife, different husband, same problems, same misery. It's not going to be better the next time. The real problem that we have today is excessive feeding of the flesh. This excessive feeding of the flesh is causing people to starve out their souls, and it's time to focus on the things of God. And if we would do that. It would make all the difference in the world. And so let's learn to pace ourselves. Hey, winter is coming. And you know what we're going to do in the winter? And when winter time, in the winter time, we do, we have, there's certain things we have to slow down a little bit. There's certain things we have to change up a little bit on our soul winning schedule too. And you know, and some people, they want to be critical of that, but it's like, okay, but you know what? We've been here 12 years soul winning consistently. How many years have you been doing this? And you know what? It, we're going to be here another 12 years doing the same thing. You come run your mouth when I see you running at that pace in the 12th mile in the half marathon. I, you know, I'm not impressed when you're doing it in mile one because we're, we're planning on doing this thing in the long haul, uh, going, going the long distance on these things. And so we got to prepare, be ready. And so with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for... Uh, these verses and these things we can learn. I pray to help us to apply these principles in our lives. I pray to help people to just prepare for these things, Lord, and help us not to act like victims when just normal life happens to us and uh, just things that literally everybody has dealt with since the beginning of time. But help us to just be victorious. Help us to uh, learn how to keep our priorities right and to just focus on others, focus on your will, rather than getting obsessed with ourselves, Lord, if, if it need be. Help people to have the wisdom and the strength to just unplug from social media or whatever it is that's getting them distracted. And I pray you give us victory. In your name we pray. Amen.